0: Hello, Canada, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense. This is Canadian Common Sense with Louis and Tony. Good afternoon, Canada. Today's date is September 2nd, 2020, and it's Tony here in beautiful Saskatoon.
1: And Lewis out here in BC. How are you, my friend? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. I saw it was your uh, wedding anniversary, so happy anniversary.
0: Thank you. Yeah, yesterday was our anniversary, which was why we were unable to do the show yesterday, because I was taking my beautiful wife out for supper. It was fantastic. We've uh, been eight years married now, 10 years together, so uh, always great to go celebrate your anniversary, that's for sure.
1: Yep, sure is. All right,
0: so on the show tonight, there will be little for celebration. New Brunswick election, halfway through, we're 12 days away and there's some polling in. Can we go one week without a Liberal scandal? No. Can your humble podcasters be right yet again? Justin Trudeau, John A. MacDonald, and leadership, and so much more. Well, my friend,
1: where do you want to start?
0: What do we start with New Brunswick election, because we can get that one up and down quickly. So, uh, there's, uh, we're going to the polls September 14th. Well, I guess not we, because you and I aren't voting in New Brunswick, but the electorate is. And I must say, I'm... Shocked because you and I had spoken last week that you know there's often a little backlash against incumbent governments who engineer their own demise and then do a snap election. Yeah. Well, let's throw that out the window. The PC party of Blaine Higgs is actually polling at forty percent right now, and they so the breakdown of the votes goes uh, it's kind of spread evenly enough out that they're looking at a fairly strong majority apparently.
1: interesting okay that's not typically how this how this goes
0: no exactly so i was uh i was quite surprised i was almost thinking that you know based on the discussion we had last week that we're looking at probably another minority government or maybe the liberals would even get a surge but they're only polling in the mid-20s so it's uh it's it's looking like blaine higgs is uh you know his gamble is going to pay off
1: well i mean it it really could be the federal parties rubbing off on the provincial parties no true yeah i mean people are seeing the liberals right now as nothing but corrupt um you know i don't i can't even think of another word just corrupt
0: and and they're
1: they're just seeing the federal liberals as being corrupt and they're going we can't trust our provincial liberals i mean look at what the federal liberals are doing
0: well, and maybe that is part of it because, um, yeah, the federal liberals certainly are, you know, are damaging the brand. You're right. So, I mean, people, whether there is an official affiliation or association between the, the federal and provincial party or not, people will youth look at liberal and just say, oh, no, no, no thanks.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I the That's a thing in Canada, right? I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but in Canada, there's only one uh Political party that actually uh, is affiliated with their provincial counterparts, and that's the NDP.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think people make that mistake a lot because uh, I got to think back when I back when I ran for election in two thousand and one, and I remember even uh, though there was a Liberal candidate who was trying to make that connection, suggesting that the Progressive Conservative Party of Alberta was somehow affiliated with the federal party and most of us just kind of glossed over because thought, how can you be so stupid when you're actually involved in the process?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. And I mean, the the NDP is the only party in Canada uh, that does that. Um, I don't even think the green party does it, but um, I know that uh, like the PCs are definitely not affiliated with provincial branches and neither are the Liberals. I mean, hell, the BC Liberals aren't even really liberals. They're—they're. It was mostly former, um, former members of the.
0: uh, uh, They're like Social social, Credit, weren't they?
1: Social Credit Party, yeah, which was a conservative party. So um, it's like the BC Liberals are liberal in name only, really. I mean, it's more of a coalition party. There are liberals there but there's also uh, a healthy dose of conservatives in there because I don't know why, but in BC, a conservative party just can't get elected.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Well, it does appear that the conservative party in New Brunswick appears that it will get elected. So, um, That's so yeah, I, guess I, I guess, I guess I can't say we were wrong cause we really didn't make any predictions on that, but it certainly does kind of buck the trend for, uh, you know, for that backlash that often happens to governments who engineer their own demise.
1: Well, there's still two weeks to go, so let's not count our chickens. But well, that's that's true, yeah, yeah.
0: All right. So, speaking of of liberal branding, I might as well just move in to talk about the federal liberals because, well, we just can't get enough of the federal liberals. <laughs> so, I sent you an article a few days ago that you uh, you found quite disappointing, and that was about our friend Catherine McKenna. So yeah. it turns turns out that when Catherine McKenna was environment minister she herself sent out or tendered out I should say some what are we going to say sole source contracts yeah so I re- read through the article this was a I think it was a national post article and she had one company was, that was doing it. Didn't it was an unnamed company, and I always love it when it's unnamed company or sources who don't want to be named. So anyway, whoever this unnamed company was, there was one case where this unnamed company actually began work on a contract before that company's competitors even knew the contract was up for tender, which I guess it wasn't at that point. And the same unnamed company received an additional eight contracts, all worth $24,558. Now, what's important about the dollar figure is that any contract that was under $25,000 in value was able to be tendered out or uh, or I guess I need to be sourced out without tender, as it were. So there's an accusation that perhaps uh, these eight contracts were all just subdivisions of a single contract, but broken into eight in order to skirt around the Treasury Board contracting policy.
1: Well, that that sounds like what happened. I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't know how you can look at it any other way. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh and, my god! And I know there's there is an investigation going on into that by. Um, by the uh, Auditor General, isn't there, not? I
0: believe there is, yeah. And, of course, yeah. the Auditor General has been screaming for more money ever since scandals started breaking because their funding was cut by – which which Prime Minister cut their funding again?
1: Uh, I think it was Trudeau. That's right. Trudeau. In fact, yeah. In fact, it
0: was Trudeau, and he cut the funding well, – Almost to, I think, about two-thirds of the level where their funding was under the Harper government.
1: Yeah, and and they were actually asking for more, and they ended up with less.
0: Yeah, and how convenient it has been for the Trudeau government that now the scandals are piling up, the the Auditor General just doesn't have the funds to, to dig into all of that.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like, there's... And these aren't the only contracts that are being brought up now um i mean we just saw i believe it was yesterday uh there's a former liberal mp that got a contract with the government for like a quarter billion dollars
0: oh yeah it, it just it, it never ends and that's uh i just I, mean, I think i even said last week i'm just getting numb because it's just it keeps coming. It keeps coming. And of course, Canada, we're going to keep bringing it to you because we're not letting up on this, but it just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not even stunned anymore. It's just, it's just, it's like, you've been punched so many times that you can't feel it anymore.
1: So you just wait for it to come. Yeah. Well, but I mean, that's the problem, right? Is that people become numb to this. and And then every time you hear of more scandals with the, with the, with the liberal party, it doesn't, It doesn't bother you anymore because it's you're hearing about them constantly, and and, and unfortunately, that does happen with people. They they just become numb to it.
0: Yeah, no, that's a very good point. You're right. Because then you start uh, you get less upset about it because it's just you you expect it, and and that's the problem. We've come to expect it. Now, the the same liberal government in 2019 decided that 25,000 was. Too low a threshold for uh, for you know to have to tender contracts out. So they actually increased the amount to forty thousand dollars before a tender is necessary. Of course, by com- they did. yeah. So by comparison, any infrastructure project that is over ten thousand dollars in value in the New West Trade Partnership Agreement, which is, exists in the four western provinces, any project over ten thousand dollars immediately by law. Has to go out to tender to any company in those four provinces, but I guess Ottawa doesn't work that way.
1: No, it doesn't sound like it. I mean, ten thousand dollars is pretty low. I mean that that is a threshold. I think that probably could be raised, um, but but yeah, I mean, huh, it, it just the the party that is having all these scandals with sole sourced contracts is the same one that raised the limit. So, I mean, like, it, it, there's there's something really fishy going on here. Yeah,
0: something smells absolutely awful in Ottawa right now. And, of course, now that Parliament has been prorogued, there's nobody able to look into all these. However, at least they're making the news, so at least Canadians are aware of it. And, unfortunately, that is all. Our politicians in the opposition can't do anything to... Uh, To combat it at this point in time or investigate
1: yeah i mean we are seeing um we are seeing mps coming out in the in the media and and talking about things that they found out like in that in that uh uh those dot that document dump that the liberals uh did for the we charity scandal right um because i mean uh uh an ndp mp uh a Oh, what's his name? Charlie Angus. Yeah, has I like him. Me too. I I I like Charlie Angus. I I don't agree with his politics, but I like him, and I like him a lot. He reminds me of uh, like a Pierre Polyev type, where he's he really just wants to get down to the truth, and um and he re- does a really good job of hammering the the liberals when they deserve it, and um he has come out and said that. After examining all the all those documents that the Liberals dumped on everybody right before they prorogued government of the ones he can read because they've been so redacted that there's entire sheets of paper that are just black. Um, he said it is very obvious that uh, Minister Bardish Chagger is... Uh, uh drove the uh, she was she was the one who pushed to have we we charity have the, uh, to get that contract and it was and it was driven from a meeting that they had back in April uh, her and the we charity uh, group the Kielberger brothers and uh, and it was a program that the Kielberger brothers basically designed and the Liberals adopted and gave them the contract for and yeah and and so now Bartish Jagger's head is on the chopping block, and I think this is what you were referring to in your intro of us being right again um, one, one of the things, yes, because we called this we said this weeks ago that Bartish Chagger was going to be the next one to go.
0: We did, and it looks like now that, uh, and again, I mean, and, and and you say this all the time, that you don't want to be right, and honestly, I really didn't want Boris Chagger to get thrown under the bus and lose her job, because I know nothing about her, and I don't wish ill will on anybody, but she had this coming, and yeah, being the meeting in April, and then the denial of that meeting in April, and suddenly now that Parliament's prorogued, the Kielberger brothers are are completely tight-lipped about everything. And she's been left hanging in the wind because, yeah, I mean, that meeting has her name all over it. She lied about it when she was being questioned by Pierre Polyev. And, yeah, she's she's been caught red-handed. So I think her days are numbered.
1: Yeah, and the Kielberger brothers, by the way, are not turning over the documents and uh, data that they said that they would when they testified oh they have not turned it over and they are uh, as from all accounts are not planning on turning anything over and uh this would kind of be uh you know a trend because this is why the whole uh board of directors for we charity got fired was because they kept asking for documents and they would never give them to them so the Kielberger brothers seem to keep everything close to their chest and they don't let anybody including the people in their own organization know what's really going on.
0: That's true now that you said that I that tripped my memory because yeah the Kielberger brothers actually I don't know which one it was who uh, had made the statement on the news but they said well now that Parliament is prorogued. Com- committees are no longer investigating. Therefore, there is no re- no need for us to hand over any documents. I thought you smug sob. Yeah. Obviously, you're a
1: friend of Trudeau's. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's this is there. There is this is way way worse than any than any scandal that the uh, Kirchner government had. And this is way worse than any scandal that any government in Canada has had that I can think of.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely it is. It's uh, it's awful. And, I mean, we've said this how many shows in a row. This is a horrible scandal, but yet for some reason, Canadians will look at it and go, meh, you know what? I mean, other than all that, how bad has Trudeau been? well, yeah, okay, there's lots of debt and scandal and blackface and groping Rose Knight and Crest in BC and, 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 yeah. and, and. and
1: I, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's frustrating because, like I said, I've, I've been saying this for years that Canadians have a lot of tolerance for liberal governments. They will put up with a, a lot before they'll get rid of them. But a conservative government, even just a rumor will get them kicked out of office.
0: Yeah. And I, I will say, though, that polling is at least now that the conservative party has a leader. It's actually starting to level out where it's a bit, a bit more neck and neck. I mean, the liberals should be at two percent, but for some reason, it's they're at least tied to the conservatives. And actually, I wanted to jump on that. I did not bring that into the introduction, but. Aaron O'Toole has been on the job for a week now and so far he's still saying the right things and I really appreciate that he's gotten out and tried to define himself before the media pigeonholes him and they're trying hard to do that but he's actually, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy with his first week. He's uh, he's impressed me in his first week.
1: Yeah, so far I am, I am happy to say that so far I was wrong um, because he is he's performing very well which i knew he would but it's showing in the polls and it's showing um in terms of uh people that i know who didn't know who he was and they do now uh so he's he's doing a good job of getting himself out there getting his face out there and getting his name out there the little videos that the conservative party are putting together for him that he's releasing like every day or every two days Um, Just little videos uh, that basically get you to know who he is. like Get to know Aaron O'Toole kind of videos uh, are are very effective and and they're working.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think there was one of the early days anyway, I remember one of the the CBC commentators suggesting that, Oh, and Aaron O'Toole has the same problem as Andrew Shearer. Nobody knows who he is. And I thought, are we going to do this again? So I'm really glad that Aaron O'Toole is, uh, he's obviously learned. He's learned the lessons from, you know, past campaigns. And yeah. I really hope that, yeah, I mean, I hope he keeps doing what he's doing, honestly. And yeah, yeah I was I mean, wrong too. So
1: yeah, and he, he's getting like, he's been reacting very quickly to uh, these vandalism uh, events that have happened uh, like the John A McDonald statue in Montreal getting torn down um, he reacted immediately and so he was the first one in the news uh, to react um, which wasn't very hard because Trudeau took two days uh, to, oh, yeah. to react. and 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 here's where this is, this is really this really pisses me off with the Canadian uh, media because Aaron O'Toole came out and condemned. This mob violence and, and this mob vandalism and and everything. And he came out and condemned it immediately. Trudeau took two days before he said he was disappointed. And the Canadian media immediately throws up headlines, Trudeau condemns tearing down uh, the John A. MacDonald statue. No, he did not. He said he was disappointed he didn't condemn anything
0: well to be fair he was deeply disappointed
1: oh okay i, mean, that... I take all that back so.
0: <laughs> yeah exactly so um and I, actually since you I mean, said
1: yeah the canadian media just pisses me off i mean, we're they're no better than the american media i mean they're doing their job down there too but we won't talk about that because we could spend about four hours on that
0: oh yeah but uh, since you went to uh, to Trudeau and John A. McDonald, well, that's where we'll go next. And yeah, it was, I was actually up until yesterday, I was thinking, okay, so we'll be uh, able to quote Mr. Trudeau in complete silence because he had said nothing. And this is the part about leadership. And, and actually, I want to contrast Trudeau with Sir John A. McDonald. And first of all, what really bugs me is, Justin Trudeau is, well, he's, I don't know if you want to say governing by opinion poll, but I mean, he's, he doesn't make statements until he has opinion polls in front of him. And that's what pisses me off the most.
1: Yeah. But I mean, here, here's the problem is that we got, here's the difference. I mean, yeah. What was, was Johnny McDonald, a Saint? Hell no. no, absolutely no. not. He did some horrible things like, he, you know, he interfered with the with the Louis Riel trial. He, he, uh, you know, starved Indians on the plains. He did everything he could. He, he, you know, he did some terrible things. But he's also the father of our country. Canada would not exist without John A. Macdonald. John A. Macdonald is the one who got uh, BC to agree to join the country if he got the railroad built yep exactly Canada is Canada because of him he is Canadian history and so regardless of the warts the man deserves thanks he deserves credit for putting this country together if you want his statues torn down you're basically saying you want this country torn apart and that you, because because without them, this country doesn't exist. And Canadians, listen to me. We've got a big divide in the political parties right now in this country. You've got the Conservative Party, who loves this country, who believes Canadians are good, that Canada is good. We know that there's work to do in certain areas. Absolutely. But overall, we believe this country is a good country and the people in it are good people. The liberals and the NDP, they don't. They believe that we're all racist. They believe that our systems are racist, that our, that our, our, our institutions are racist and sexist and any other ism that you can think of there this is where we're at right now and the people governing this country don't like our country they hate our country that's why they don't condemn this stuff
0: yep that's all true and there was a an apologist on I actually think it was power and politics and she tried to re- rebut the you know essentially your argument by saying well if if john a macdonald wasn't in the picture canada would still exist and i actually wish i could have been debating her because i would have said that you know perhaps there would still be a country called canada but it would not exist as it is now cuz sir john a macdonald uh, with building the canadian pacific railway which is what united the country together he was the only one who, who said that railway must go across Canada and demanded it go across northern Ontario because he wanted to access every part of the country. Everybody else wanted him to take the railway south and hook up with existing United States rail lines to go underneath the Great Lakes and then re-enter Canada, you know, somewhere in Manitoba. And he was the only one who said, no, it must go across the Canadian Shield, which was obviously... Much more treacherous, much more expensive. But had he not done that, and and had he gone with everybody else and decided to go through the states, that northern Ontario might still be Rupert's
1: Land. Yeah, exactly. Like this is what people don't get, and and I mean you can't. One thing is is that it was was he a racist? Yeah, probably. But who wasn't? I mean, yeah, in it, that it, in, in that time and place, who wasn't?
0: No, that's right. Historical context and the pe- people who try to judge his- figures of the past by today's standards are out to
1: lunch. Yeah, absolutely. But see, Johnny
0: McDonald. I mean, he is uh, he had a vision, and and see, this is this is leadership, and this is what you and I have gone on about for God at least a year if not longer that uh it's what's lacking in this country so much and it's leadership isn't just and i'm going to quote ralph klein here because he pissed me off when he said this too back in alberta i was saying oh there's not much to politics just see which way the parade is going and make sure you're in front and i said no no (laughs) leadership is not you know walking faster than the herd and checking over your shoulder every once in a while to make sure they're behind you. Leadership is taking a position, making a stand, convincing people why it is good, or at least why they should follow you when when you take that position. And that's what Sir John A. did with the Canadian Pacific Railroad. And like you said, the province of BC, I mean, they told them flat out, okay, if it's not here by the end of 1871, we're not joining. Goodbye. And I mean the, we've all seen the last bike photo so obviously it made it but and it would made yeah. it you know just kind of under the wire but he got it done and can you imagine Justin Trudeau doing any kind of national nation building project
1: not a chance well no, well, no because everything he's doing is nation it, it's breaking down the nation it's tearing us apart I, he's, well, he's 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 targeting Natural resources, and and that's not just the oil and gas industry. He's targeting uh, the mining industry too, and and manufacturing industries in in Ontario. Like he he's he's targeting natural resources in this country unless they're in Quebec. Yeah, see that's what I think people
0: don't get because Ontario has. You know, along with Saskatchewan, probably among the very most diverse array of natural resources. And I mean, Ontario's got mining everywhere, especially in the north, where it's on the Canadian Shield. And I don't think people fully appreciate that Justin Trudeau is not just screwing the West. You're right. I mean, it's not just the oil and gas sector. I mean, in Ontario, there is gold mining, there is forestry, there's there is oil and gas in southwestern Ontario. There's agriculture. I mean, they've They've got it all. And I don't think people in downtown Toronto really understand that Justin Trudeau's pulling the rug out from under their feet just as much as he is from ours.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The, I couldn't have said it better myself.
0: You know, and it's, it's just ridiculous. Like he, uh, I mean, and he's not the only one. I mean, Jean Chrétien used to, uh, well, he would govern somewhat by opinion poll. And sometimes he would just make a press conference and, make some kind of policy statement and forces staffers to try and catch up to him. But I mean, we haven't had a really bold leader in this country in God, I hate to say it because I really hated this guy. And by the time his term as prime minister was done, but Brian Mulroney with free trade, he essentially said, we're doing this. We're and, you know, get on it or vote me out. And he won. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree, and and nationally, I mean, regardless of how you feel about uh, um, Stephen Harper, I happen to like him quite a bit. Um, I, mean, I know yeah. you. I know you did as well. Um, the he wasn't a great leader. Um, he did his job well, like he he did. He led Canada through um, a, a, a massive recession and got us out the other side better than any other g7 country he um he managed you know he 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 did a good job he did a really good job as prime minister except he wasn't a good leader and i put those in quotation marks um because he people never really liked him i mean i know conservatives who didn't like him they only voted for him because because they had to. Um, so regardless of whether he did a good job or not, which I think he did, he, di- he didn't lead very well.
0: Yeah, you know, I think I'd go with you on that. He was a very effective administrator, but you're right. I mean, he certainly wasn't the visionary leader like, uh, God, I hate to say, like Brian Mulroney was with Free Trade and, even when he, Brian Mulroney attempted the Meech Lake Accord or in Charlottetown Accord, I mean, at least he was, he was still trying to share a vision with us. And I mean, Brian Mulroney had lost me shortly after the free trade debate. I'm, I'm for free trade and I still am. And I'm glad that deal went through, but, but yeah, I mean, since Brian Mulroney, there really hasn't been a visionary Canadian prime minister. I mean, Jean Chrétien I called him yesterday's man when he was elected prime minister in 1993. And I felt like he was a placeholder who just happened to stay there for seven years. Yeah. Or actually, I guess it was nine years.
1: Uh, It was nine years. Yeah. Yeah. 93
0: to 2002. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. There we go. There's, there's leadership. And, you know, actually I'm going to make one more sidebar on that. And I don't want to make this about myself, but one of the biggest reasons that I chose to run for office in this upcoming election this fall is because of the decisive lack of leadership that my own province is going through right now with, we had Brad wall who was very popular and a fantastic leader to Scott Mo who's decided he just wants to drift and, hope the name of the Saskatchewan party carries him along for another term. And we need somebody who actually has some ideas and some vision. And I don't know if I'm that guy or if Ken Gray is that guy, but something's got to give.
1: Yeah. I mean, losing Brad Wall was, uh, was I think detrimental to Saskatchewan and detrimental to the country as a whole. I think so. Yeah. I mean,
0: he's uh, a, He was. He was a. Yeah. He was. A, he was a great spokesperson. Not. Not just for Western Canada. Even. I mean. I think he was. He would have been a great spokesperson for Canada. But. Yeah. But I mean, he made his decision, and he's. Uh, he's doing quite well in private life. So good for him.
1: Yep. Unfortunately, we do miss you, Brad.
0: We do. Yep.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: So uh, self praise stinks, but your humble podcast hosts have been proven right again. And this time, neither one of us ever wanted to be right about anything in our past. This is one thing we did not want to be right about. The COVID-19 pandemic, more statistics are coming out now. What did you and I say back in March is you start locking people down. Domestic abuse was going to go up. Depression, addictions. We talked about addictions in our last show. We see now that domestic abuse is skyrocketing. And depression, mental health issues are all becoming, I'd say, almost an epidemic at this point in time. And this just came out from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, I believe it just over this past weekend, is you'd better go dine out at your favorite restaurant in Canada because they're saying 60% of restaurants in Canada could be shut down by the end of the year.
1: Yeah. And uh, I am going to say you're going to probably see a lot of small business owners committing suicide because their businesses are going to be going bankrupt and they're going to lose everything.
0: Yep, that's absolutely right. And I don't—I know that most of our listeners would not have heard my rant just before published just before we started this show about changes to the employment insurance system, but. The federal government is making it easier and easier and easier for Canadians who don't want to work to sit at home and continue to get paid. You discussed on our last episode, Lewis, that you know a business owner in your area who can't find anybody because of that. And those businesses are the ones that are going to be shutting down. And now suddenly you're going to have the business owner out of work when the last thing they wanted was to have to shut down.
1: Yeah, we've got a 17% unemployment rate. And I know a guy who can't even get a single, or no, sorry, let me rephrase that. He can only, he's only had one single applicant in three months.
0: Yeah, ridiculous.
1: Yeah. And and I have a friend in the US that I was having an argument with last night because he said, we need a UBI, a universal basic income in the US. And I said, no, you don't. I, no, I can tell you what's going on here. And uh but you know, he didn't want to believe it. So but yeah, it's it's crazy. Like people like businesses can't even find employees right now. And and my that guy I know is not the only one. I've heard it from several.
0: Yeah, I'm actually I was uh listening to the Canadian Taxpayers podcast and there is a gentleman in Moose Jaw uh, runs a hamburger stand and They actually has there was a big lineup just to to get hamburgers there, and as it turns out, he had a sign at the the window when you got up there that said, "You know, restaurant will be closing whatever date it was because they couldn't find staff." So there's a place that's busy as hell, and people want to throw their money at them, and they have to close.
1: Yeah, and I've seen uh, a handful of businesses around here that are that are closing for good, and it's because they can't get employees.
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous. And then couple that that the commercial rent program, which was has been a colossal disaster anyway. Um, oh yeah. I, that that program actually expired yesterday, September first, and still there was there was so very little uptake because the government, for whatever stupid reason, probably because they don't understand business, obviously, decided that they would make that a landlord driven program instead of putting the money in the hands of the tenants where it should have been going all along. So you had landlords who didn't want to buy into it. And now there's a lot of businesses who have been, you know, banking on this, this money, or at least attempting to access this money. And like you and I said, with personal mortgages, and uh, actually I'll tie that in because we talked about this back in March is that when our home mortgages Come due, and it'll guess it'll be October first for homeowners. There's going to be a great big chunk of mortgage money that banks are going to say we want now, and utilities. So we're going to be right again next month when you see bankruptcy start to skyrocket. Business yeah. and personal. Yep,
1: absolutely. And uh, and I, why would the landlord? want to sit on hold for six hours because that's what I've been told is how long you have to sit on hold for. Uh, Why would the, why would the landlord want to sit on hold for six hours uh, for something that really the tenants should be doing and the tenants should only be doing it if they absolutely need it. I mean, the landlord, this isn't the landlord's problem. This is the tenant's problem.
0: Well, it is, yeah, and I mean, that can go into the broader issue of its, you know, the government's problem, and and you and I had said that even in the beginning, too, that, you know, the government caused this problem, the government needs to fix it, and they dropped the ball, but a surprise, the Trudeau government dropped the ball yet again.
1: Yeah, it seems to be a common occurrence. Well, it
0: really does, yeah, and it's, uh, and... I'll actually add one more thing that's annoying me with this government is that since Parliament has been prorogued, Justin Trudeau has announced over $40 billion in relief programs that he cannot deliver until he gets uh, consent of Parliament. But, of course, Canadian citizens don't understand that. So now they're all saying, oh, well, he's raining some more money out. And then they're going to get angry that they can't access that money. To, in which Trudeau will then politicize. And it's this kind of cynicism that just drives me up the freaking wall.
1: Yeah, I mean, they just seem like, and we've talked about this before when it comes to all kinds of different programs or, um, uh, or new laws that they pass, where they always download it onto the Provinces, right? Because they don't want to do the work, and they seem to be rather inept at being able to f- to do anything that they want to do. They they don't have um, uh, it seems the work ethic to to actually suss out a new law. They just say this is how it's going to be, and the provinces have to figure it out. Um, and, or they and they don't they. They, it's it's like oh, it's a bunch of amateurs running it because I mean every program that they put out there gets either is is fraught with fraud like uh, like SERB right yeah um, or you can't even use it like the uh, the commercial rental uh, assistance program like it's it's just they're just completely inept and unable to do the job they were elected to do. I mean the only thing that they're good at and they're not even that good at it because they keep getting caught is giving their friends money. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right, they're not good at it because they keep getting caught. That's actually a really good way to put it.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're just they're just useless.
0: They really are, yep. And I think well, I want to close with this cuz I see we're coming up a couple minutes left here. Most uh, Canadian provinces are going back to school next week. Some have already gone back this week. I heard a really good point brought up by, uh, by the, I think it was Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And this is an Ontario statistic, but they, they uh, negotiated a pay raise with the Ontario Teachers Federation and the, all the other unions during the pandemic lockdown. And that's the, they did the exact same thing in Saskatchewan. And teachers got raises when every other private sector employee is getting job losses or pay cuts or both. And the statistic pointed out by Canadian Taxpayers Federation was that the money the province of Ontario is spending just on the increases in salary for teachers alone is double the money that the teachers are demanding to help make the schools safe again, uh, in their opinions, for like DHVAC and uh, the safety protocols. So I thought, well, if it was really all about the kids, would you have taken that raise?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just – public sector unions are just – they're pariahs. And, and I'm just I, – I don't even know what to say about them anymore because all it is is just more, 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 more. I mean we saw that with the federal uh federal employees that what during covid when they were all at home doing nothing like they weren't even working from home they were just at home uh, they all got paid their full salaries they didn't go on serb they got paid their full salaries
0: yeah yeah i mean and it's of course you and i that are paying their salaries and i think and i remember you had mentioned that there was a certain program they were able to to bill their time to because they were you know, didn't have any work to do or whatever, however they they were able to word it. But it's just, I mean, they were, well, they were pulling money out of your pocket and out of my pocket and out of your pockets, Canada. And it's almost like we're powerless to do anything about it. I think that's what frustrates me the worst, is that you just have to listen to what's being done and we can complain about it, but we have really no way to.
1: No, we can't do anything about it. And, and and that's what pisses me off the most because it's just to me that's corruption i mean how how the hell do public sector employees get paid more get better benefits and get pensions and the people paying their salaries don't have those
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I know that they'll say, well, that's, you know, the, what our union negotiated for us. It's like, but see, we can't hold the public hostage whenever we want to negotiate a better position for ourselves or a better wage for ourselves. We can't just say, oh, your kids can stay at home until we get a better wage. I mean, it doesn't work that way. And we can't say that, okay, well, you know, all government offices will be closed until we get a better wage. Well, you guys can do that, but yeah. We don't have that kind of hammer. And it's uh I get a little sick of, you know, things being held hostage, like public services being held hostage until we give these people their way. And they always end up getting their way. I mean, they might not get the size of increase they want, but we don't get annual increases in our pay just because.
1: Yeah, but I mean it's not even like the annual increases. It's the fact that they get they get, I believe it's on average 30% more than the private sector for doing the same job. They get benefits that are much better than what almost anybody in the private sector will get for benefits. Yep. And they get pensions, which 68% of Canadians don't get. And yet, we have to pay for their pensions, but we don't get pensions. Like, this is what pisses me off. It's just, there's such an, uh, uh, this air of importance around being this, a public sector employee. I'm sorry, but the, first of all, there are way too many of them because I used to have to deal with government employees on a regular basis in my previous career. And for every consultant, which is what I was, at a medium, there, t- there were three two or three from the government. And if there were five consultants, there were like 10 to 12 uh, representatives from different government departments. And it was ridiculous. And they all were trying to justify their jobs. So they, you know, it it was just ridiculous. And if you did the same job for a private sector uh, business, you had maybe two representatives from that business at that meeting. And and they weren't trying to justify their jobs and, and keeping us there for six hours for meetings. It was like, let's get this done. Let's get this done right. And let's wrap up this meeting. You know?
0: Well, yeah. Instead of justifying their jobs, they're just doing their jobs.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So here, Canada, we'll leave you with uh, one statistic before we go so that you can be just as angry as us. of Canadians work for one level of government or another, which means that the other 66% of the workforce is paying for them.
1: Oh, my God. Here's another stat, and this is a good stat, so we're going to leave everybody on a high note. Excellent. Canadian common sense listenership has increased by 100% in the last month
0: it has it's really gone up and we have all of you to thank for it canada and international listeners as well
1: thank you so much
0: for joining us
1: yeah thank you canada and poland
0: and poland yes (laughs) and uh and we've got a strong (laughs) listener base in the united states as well so uh
1: we do yeah
0: thank you to all of you yes that's i'm glad you pointed that out because yes indeed the our listenership has really gone up in this last month so it's uh Great to yep. see, and I'm uh, really happy that you're that you're tuning in.
1: Yep, thank you, guys, and we'll uh, talk to you next week.
0: All right, until next time. It's Tony here in Saskatchewan
1: and Lewis out here in BC. Good night.
0: Good night, Canada. Chris and Tony.